morning, hey, good morning, and welcome to Friday. Yeah, we made it through another week. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The physical delivery of wealth insurance. Uh, gold and silver, it is what we do 23 years. I'm going to be 20, getting ready to roll the calendar over to year number 24. The website at allamericangold.com. Uh, make sure make it part of your daily routine. Uh, all kinds of articles, videos, and, and things to keep you in the know. The vast majority of it's stuff that we just don't have time in one hour uh, to, to cover all the things that you need to be educated on. And I just saw this headline. I was watching, uh, you know, all the websites that I like to go out to every morning and, uh, I go to market watch to keep an eye on the stock market. You know, today Dow Dow's down a hundred plus points. Uh, not a lot of economic data, really no economic data out today. Uh, all the markets a little soft. Uh, gold's down like three dollars, two dollars. Uh, Dow's down a hundred and twenty. Then the S and P down ten. Nasdaq's down seventy five. But one of the things that said Americans spend seven thousand percent more time watching the idiot box than they do on their finances and it's exact that's exactly how they want it to be you know they 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 want us to be distracted they want us to to focus in on things that aren't important or really don't have any uh significance uh, to you personally or financially, you know, last night, right? It was Thursday night football, right? You know, because why? Well, you know, the NFL figured out, hey, we can make more money and we can keep people distracted. And of course, the Chiefs played the Broncos and uh, the Pat Patrick Mahomes, who's the star player for the Chiefs, uh, got injured and and all of those things. And everybody wants to be distracted because you know what? Here's the realities. If you just focused on your finances for an hour a day, probably don't even have to do that, right? It'd be great an hour a week if you just sat down and you really uh, started analyzing things and, and educated yourself. I really think a lot of people would view the central bank much differently than they do today. Right now, right, they like to portray them as the saviors. Right? The Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve, you know, they cut interest rates and and they they stoked the economy. They opened the Fed window. They got quantitative easing and they do all these things that if you just want to ignore it and not understand it, Right? Oh, they're doing great work for us. But are they really? I mean, wasn't the wasn't the name of the game and isn't the name of the game, you know, the American dream. Right? What was the American dream? Right? Owning a home. Right? The two point three kids, right, you know. Uh, as well, that number keeps shrinking. I, I'm saying 2.3, but it, it, we may be down to two. You know, have a dog, the white picket fence. You want to be able to to go to work, 
and raise a family. Right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Go to work, raise a family, own a home, a car. Right? Yeah, obviously, uh, we'd love to get married and and have, you know, go crazy and actually own two cars. And this is something that if you go back, and not that far, you know, uh, in 1971, I was only one. I wasn't very old. You know, my dad worked. My mom raised us boys. There was four of us. Boy, that <laughs> You talk about a crazy household. Try raising four boys, and I know a lot of people out there know what I'm talking about, and then even more brothers or sisters. But everybody in the neighborhood did the same thing. Everybody. And, and, and not that two people working's a bad thing, but we're, when I grew up, there was, a, a, in, in the neighborhood we lived in, there was... There was 10, 15% of the people were mom and dad both were working. But more by choice than by necessity. Right? There was just a choice that they had made versus there actually being a necessity. And you know what was so funny? Everybody kind of had similar schedules. At my house, dinner was at 6 o'clock. Period. Right? My dad got home about 5.30, grabbed the paper. Of course, back then, right? Remember the paper came later? I don't know. You know, we always got the paper in the afternoon. He'd sit in his chair, read the paper, and at 6 o'clock, everybody was at the dinner table. Everybody. Right? You weren't at a friend's house. You weren't uh, doing anything other than being at that dinner table at 6 o'clock. And, and you think about how it is today now. Now, the situation's at reversed. In my neighborhood, almost everybody, both parents, are working. And dinner, it's probably picked up at a fast food restaurant at all kinds of different times, you know, throughout the, you know, evening. That's better. You know, most people, you, you hear me refer to 1971 a lot. And that is where Richard Nixon closed the gold window. And what that meant was they, they took the gold from us in 1933. Right? And, and the reason they did so was we when we created what is now I think the third rendition of a central bank back in 1913 and and one of these days I'll go back if if you really want to understand how we got the central bank that we have today read the creature from Jekyll Island it, it it'll it'll really open your eyes to to the evil that banking is. And I, and, I, and I know a lot of you, oh, you know, that banking's not evil. It's not evil if it's 
contained and controlled. Our founding fathers were very much aware of the dangers that handing over the uh, country's currency to the banks would lead us to. See, back then they didn't have TV, right? And I think they were a lot more in tuned to what was really happening. Where today, you know, I always say, you know, they've dumbed us down. Right? They've got us so focused in now that we don't have time. Right? Both parents got to work now. You know, I, I was sitting there, I was thinking about me and my brothers. And only one of us, and it's not me, lives better than my parents. Only one. The, the, the me, me and my two other brothers don't. You know, we lived in a, you know, solidly, you know, middle class, maybe middle upper middle class neighborhood growing up. You know, and like I said, my mom didn't work. My dad was home like clockwork, you know, at 5.30, worked Monday through Friday, right? Nobody, was, there, there was no gig work going on, no driving around drunk people uh, to supplement your income. And you only needed one income to buy a home. We had two cars, right? You know, and and that was how it was. And now today, I, I you know, just in my neighborhood, almost everybody works, husband and wife. And who knows when you're home? A lot of the people in my neighborhood, one of the one of the workers travels. Right, they're they're gone. You know, two, three, four days a week trying to to make all of these things work. And what happened? Why? Why does that need to be? And when you look at when we created this central bank, the the roaring twenties, right, the bubble that was created there, the bankers said, hey, you know what? If we can get rid of gold, we can just print money. Yep. And that way, when things are slow, we'll print money and and get them to speed up. Right? And get us out of the slow period. And don't worry. When things are better, right, we'll, we'll, we'll take the money back out. Right and, and kind of the same thing. The government went right. They love to hear that. You know, the elected officials are like, "My man, boy, yeah." So we can, uh, we can help people out. Yeah, I want to help people out, and and so we'll do the same thing. Right, we'll borrow money. You know, help people out when when things get better. We'll pay it back. Of course, they never pay it back. But the one thing they couldn't do see is is they needed to sell that debt even back in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s right we had to sell the debt now we didn't have that much of it 
But the only way we could get them to do it was, well, it was illegal for U.S. citizens to own gold. And it's amazing when you think about it. Illegal to own gold from 1933 all the way up until the early 70s. And after they closed the gold window, then they, they said you could own gold again. But for foreign governments, they could trade treasury notes, debt, for gold. In other words, let's just say that in 1940 they bought a 10-year note. Right? We sold some debt, and let's just say France bought it. And in 1950, France said, okay, well, it's, it's hit maturity. I can uh, either get, get money in dollars, right, or I can uh, take the gold. And what... What started happening after World War II ended in the 50s, it started in the 50s, more and more countries were like, you know what, I'll take some of that in gold, and we'd send it to them. And by the the 60s, the late 60s, a lot of countries wanted the gold back. And we were running out of gold. Right? We had had 20,000 metric tons after gold confiscation in 1933. And we are down to the 8,000 tons that they say we have today. So, you know, you look at, hey, we, we got rid of 60% of the gold we, that we had. And so they closed that window and said, okay, governments, foreign governments, you're no longer allowed to do that. You have to take dollars no matter what. And, of course, Richard Nixon came out on TV, and he gave a great speech about, don't worry, it's going to be fine as long as Americans buy American. But what we didn't realize, because, again, they've dumbed us down is what that really meant what it really meant was that the central bankers could now hyperinflate the entire United States and that's exactly what they've done They've hyperinflated the whole country. Now, they say there is no inflation. That's what they say. But remember how I started this. In 1971, most households in America, only one person worked. And they worked one job. More people owned a home percentage wise right because obviously we've got well over 100 million more people living here but as a percentage more people owned a home in America in, in the 70s than they do today right home ownership now we're down to about what about 60 percent the other 40 percent are renters 
and think about it, though. Now, it'd be, that'd be fine if we still had that one person working, right? That would say, hey, there's no inflation here, right? One person in the 70s was working and owning the home, and today, one person working, owning the home. Of course, that's not true, right? Today, most households, both people work. And whether you own or rent, both people work. Most households, both people work multiple jobs. That's a fact. What are we up to? I think I think the the latest number I saw was somewhere in like the 58 million Americans working more than one job. Now, obviously, you can't count the, the kids that are under the age of 16. Right? They can't work. Uh, people that are already in retirement, right? you got to throw them out, right? They're, they're not working. So when you look at the, the available workforce, I mean, we're up to, what, 30%, 40% of all available workers working more than one job and yet home ownership rates are actually a little worse today same thing with car loans remember a car loan I mean a brand new car you'd be I mean it was tough to get three years for a car loan in 1971, a used car loan, you couldn't even probably get that. What? What? You know, you go get a new car. My wife's starting to get ready to get into the market. Her her car's got uh, 220,000 miles on it. So believe me, it was a great car. But but she's, uh, you know, it's getting that time. Right? Things just keep breaking now, and and uh, it's about that time. Now these new car loans are eight years. Eight. And, of course, the price of a car, you know, three grand was good. You you got a really, you got a nice car in the 73 grand. Now the average, the average price of a vehicle is what thirty five, thirty six thousand, and and you see that they've been able to pull the wool over our eyes and think about saving, right? Everybody tells us, everybody, your financial planner will tell you, the guys on the TV, the people at your work, right? Every you know, financial stress is the number one leading issue in 70% of all households in America. Actually, 73%. You need to save for retirement. Social Security is not enough, right? And you have to be in your 401K and, and, and make sure you max it out and get as much money saved as possible. Let me ask you if that was really true. I mean, we don't have enough money, yes, but you know they pretend like they want you to do it. Why is it that the central bank has made it so you don't get interest on what you've saved? Have you ever thought about that? 
I mean, forget about the hyperinflated time. I won't even use that as an example. But remember when you could go to the bank and get a CD and it'd pay 7 8%? Right? And everybody would tell you, hey, when you get to a certain age, and the age was 55, of course, again, it's just a number. They just make stuff up. Right? How about 55? Yeah, that sounds good. Right? That's when you, you get out of the stock market and you start buying your bonds. And you buy your CDs. And you get this return of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10%. And you're going to live off the interest. Well, now we got everybody working. Nobody's got any money saved. And if you do have any, they don't pay you for it. The wool fully over the eyes. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Millions of students headed back to school this fall seeking to acquire the knowledge and skills they need for a successful life. Many teachers enter the profession with a mission to inspire young people towards excellence and personal growth. But for thousands of school administrators and other non-teaching personnel who draw big salaries in our public schools, the new academic year has a very different meaning. In the education establishment, the new school year is a time to indoctrinate young people with manufactured notions of diversity, oppression, social justice, and the canons of political correctness. Nowhere was this better illustrated than the firestorm that blazed in California just before the school year started. A new statewide curriculum for ethnic studies was posted for public comment, and the deafening uproar from parents and even politicians was enough to cause a postponement of its implementation. In 2016, California passed a law requiring the development of an ethnic studies curriculum, as though that were a legitimate academic subject. Listen to this. The curriculum is required to, quote, include information on the ethnic studies movement, specifically the Third World Liberation Front, and its significance in the establishment of ethnic studies as a discipline and work in promoting diversity and inclusion within higher education, end quote. The curriculum is supposed to, wait for it, quote, promote critical thinking and rigorous analysis of history, systems of oppression, and the status quo in an effort to generate discussions on futurity, and imagine new possibilities, end quote. But the futurity to discuss is not one of capitalism, freedom, and prosperity. No, the proposed new curriculum is loaded with liberal jargon and describes capitalism as a form of power and oppression. In reality, capitalism has brought higher standards of living to people of all ethnicities, but students in California would be taught the opposite. A torrent of opposition to this new curriculum has caused its supporters to delay it. Some look to private schools, homeschooling, and charter schools as a way to escape this new indoctrination. Join us tomorrow for more details about bringing this ludicrous curriculum requirement to a grinding halt. Parents and the public are changing policy from the ground up. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. 
Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, we're back, 800-951-0592. And and I just saw that headline, you know, 7,000% more time watching TV than actually focusing on finance. And that's exactly how they want it to be. You know, it wasn't even me. It was, uh, and of course I'm drawing a blank right now, Vanguard. Who, Vanguard is the largest 401k administrator in the country. Okay, um, They're also, in my opinion, one of the better ones. Uh, they, they, their fees are really right near that two percent number. Most are not, uh, and of course, the funny thing is, is the two percent thing's only been around for the last like five or six years, up until up until like twenty ten, twenty uh, twenty ten, twenty fifteen. They were whacking you forward five percent. Nobody even knew it. And they do it every single year. But they they published all of their data. And they went back to right before the crash. So they, they went back, and actually a little bit, they went all the way back to 06. You know, and the Dow was somewhere uh, between thirteen and 14,000. And, of course, right now the Dow is at 26,833. So for uh, simplicity, the Dow has doubled. Right? And you think about how we always talk about you need to be diversified. You do. Owning physical gold, owning physical silver is a must. It's a must. But yet, less than 1% of Americans do it. Because every time they go talk to who they think is a financial expert, what do they tell you? Oh, you don't want to do that. You're an idiot if you do that. Are you? Are we idiots? The average and the median, according to Vanguard, the average balance of a 401k. So if you think about Wall Street doubling, think about right, interest rates are way down. You'd be like, you know what? My guess is the average and median balances of a 401k have doubled. Less fees, right? Doubled less fees. So... Uh, they when they did the study, it was a twelve year study. Okay, here's what they found out: is the average balance hasn't moved, not at all. And they broke it down into age groups and everything. And the and the younger age group balances are a little less. At that fifty five plus, they're the same. But Wall Street doubled. Now, I know you got hit for fees, but, you know, depending on where you're at, it's 24, right? 2% times 12 is 24, 3% is 36. I mean, you still should be up, you know, 
a little bit. 60%, 70%. And a lot of places, you know, you got a company match of some sort, maybe not dollar for dollar, but maybe, you know, they, they threw in 25 cents for every one of your dollars. You've kept adding to it every paycheck. You'd think it would be up by at least that. It's not. I mean, really, Vanguard kind of said, hey, listen, this 401k isn't working so well. I mean, think about if you just put, and I don't know a number, $2,000 a year. Right? That'd be low. $2,000 a year for 12 years. Right? You'd be like, well, you know, hey, I just put in $24,000. So my balance should be up at least what I put into it, right? Hey, I just added 24000 Not according to Vanguard. And the funny thing is Vanguard noted, by the way, our 401ks have performed better than the vast majority of other plans out there. You know, So this is only if you were with us. So I'm making an assumption here that, hey, if you weren't with Vanguard, you're probably, even though Wall Street doubled, you got less. But let's not talk that way. Could you imagine? Wouldn't you have thought there'd be some huge uproar? Right? People on TV coming out and attacking all these 401k administrators and saying, how could this be possible? How could Wall Street double and yet nobody has any more money in their 401ks? But nobody says a word. And the real winners are who? Right. Well, we know the the big shots that are buying all you know buying back all their shares and all those things. But that's irrelevant. I want to focus on that. I just want to focus on what it is. Who did this? Who made this possible? That we could go from a one income, one job house to a two income, multi job house go from $3,000 cars to $35,000 cars and, 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 and like everything else and then say that this is prosperity does that sound like prosperity to you now of course gold in 1971 was $35. It used to be 20 right? When they confiscated it from us, they changed the price from $20 to $35 because they wanted what? They wanted all the foreign governments to send the gold to the U.S. because they'd be like, what? I can buy $35 worth of stuff for this 20 You bet. So where do you really think gold's headed next? Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. You know it's funny when you talk to people about owning gold. 
today I think a lot of of people would maybe nod their head in agreement. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about that gold. I've been thinking about silver. Almost none ever do it. Because, right, they, they first thing they do is, is anytime they talk to a quote-unquote financial guy, that's a horrible idea. What are you, dumb? So let's, Let's see how dumb it is. Now, you can't track gold in the Dow prior to 1971. You can't. Because the money was still, gold was still money. And then, of course, from 33 to 71, you couldn't even own any gold. Up until that point, the gold was the money. So once we were officially off the gold standard, right? Nobody, uh, foreigners, governments couldn't get gold anymore. And they said, okay, from this day, stocks and gold will trade freely. And I know there's manipulation and all that, but let's just go with it. Gold was $35. Nineteen seventy-one, thirty-five dollars, and then they changed it to forty-two when they they started to go. But today, gold fourteen ninety and change, fourteen ninety, thirty-five dollars, forty-two and a half times. The Dow was about nine hundred and fifty. 950 in 1971. Dow's up. Today, right now, Dow's down 200 now, 26,008. The Dow's up about 28 times. So which one's bigger? Gold or the Dow? Now, don't get me wrong. We could pick all kinds of of different dates and say, oh, well, you see, gold, the stock market's done so much better than gold, right, if you go back to 2011, let's say. Yep, you're right. The problem is, if we go back five more years to 2006, right, gold's crushing the Dow. If you go back to 2000, gold wins, right? Right? Forget about arbitrary dates. How about this year? Gold's up what? Almost 30% this year. Silver, same thing. Yet your financial advisors telling you what a horrible investment it is. Is it? Really? Of course it isn't. And matter of fact, it's probably the best investment because the bankers are committed to printing money right they want and they say it all the time about this 2% inflation number right that's they want to devalue it 2% of course we know they actually devalue it much more than that but it doesn't matter 
And in that type of a world, over time, gold's going to, gold and silver are going to do very well. And of course, now we're entering the new debt super cycle that I was telling you, right? We, you know, last year was year one. This is only year two now. 2019 just ended, so we're in fiscal year 2020 for the government. And, of course, they came out with an article uh, earlier this week. Nobody talked about it. $1.2 trillion the deficit went up. You know, all year I've been telling you the deficit would be $23 trillion by the end of the year. I'm wrong. We're only about $150 billion away from $23 trillion. So we're actually going to be, what, 23-1, 23-2? I'm not real sure. Something like that before the end of the year. And so sitting there and, and taking some of that money and putting it into gold and silver is one of the best things you can do for yourself financially. It is. I mean, like everything else, it goes up and down, sure. But over time, gold and silver will will perform better than the stock market. It has since 1971. And why won't anybody out there come out and say, oh, you know, know, it's a horrible idea, right? They all say it. Now, some say it a little less now, right? Now, now you get you get them admitting, okay, well, maybe you should have 5 or 10% of your money into gold. Let me tell you right now, if every person in America just put 1% of their money into gold and silver, you wouldn't be able to buy any. You wouldn't be able to buy any. Because there's just not that much out there, right? They'd be gone. And and I'm just telling you now, be smart. Trust what your emotional intelligence is telling you to do. And start putting away some gold and silver. And listen, we're going to just hope that we don't have to use it. When we come back, I got a great little silver special before we head out of here for the weekend. Final segment on this Friday, 800 uh, uh Dow's down, NASDAQ's down, S&P's down, uh, Netflix and Boeing. Uh, Boeing, big problems. Uh, big uh, headline flashing on Boeing. Uh, that they deliberately and knowingly misled uh, the FAA, uh, driving that stock lower. Uh, down, like I said, down uh, 195 right now. Nasdaq's down uh, almost 100 points. The S&P's down 15. Uh, gold's down uh, two bucks. Well, and depending on where you look, Kitco's got gold up. Uh, I say it's down two. Either way, uh, 14.92 on gold, silver. Uh, right under seventeen dollars and sixty cents. Got a great item. 
that a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of you, it's affordable. It's a great way to get started. Uh, it's a great item to add to your portfolio. Uh, where you got ra- or rolls, rolls, excuse me, rolls of silver half dollars. These are going to be your Walkers, your Kennedys, your Franklins. Uh, pre-1965, so 1964 and older, you get 20 half dollars in a roll. Okay, 20 half dollars in a roll, all U.S. minted material. We're going to knock $15 off, right? Regular price on a roll of half dollars, $155 a roll. For the rest of today, I'll put it up on the website as well. So you can all have it up all weekend on the website. So you can call the 800 number and order it while we're here today. Or if you want to, you know, you podcast it later over the weekend, you can go out to allamericangold.com, uh, click on the shopping cart icon, and head out to our website and order it online. Rolls a silver half dollars. Big savings. Save $15 a roll. They're $140 per roll, so you're going to get U.S. minted material for less than $2 over spot. Uh, Silver Eagles, all backdates are gone, just gone. Uh, Right now, the only thing available in Silver Eagles are 2019s. They're pretty pricey. Matter of fact, uh, delivery is a little slow on Silver Eagles uh, because right now the mint, it's all they've got left are 2019s. Uh, so, so they're you know you're talking about three dollars and seventy five cents over spot on Silver Eagles. Buy these half dollars instead. Uh, get closer to spot. You know, one thing I love about them too is, is you know if it really hits the fan, right? This great barter material. I mean, we hope that doesn't happen, but we don't know. So it, it's great barter material. Uh, it's a great way to get started. If you've been a listener for a while, maybe you've been thinking about it, you've been nervous, and, and you know, nobody wants to get taken advantage of. We've been doing this, like I said, getting ready to go to year number 24, almost a quarter of a century, without a complaint. So if that doesn't give you reassurances, nothing will. Uh, just call us up at 800-951-0592 and just say, hey, I want the special. That's all you got to say. No bait and switch. We're not going to play games with him. We don't do any of that stuff. Rolls of silver half dollars at $140 a roll. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. I know I always get nervous on the weekend, you know. A lot, a lot can happen over the next, like, 60-some hours from when we get back here from now, 70 hours from now. Boy, wait and see what we talk about Monday. Everyone have a great rest of your weekend. Take care. God bless.